You guys are way more lively. We only got like five questions in the first service, and then as we progressed, the questions started coming. They were running to the front to ask those questions. All right, so we're just going to wait real quick. And... Uh, Can't use that mic. Uh, yeah, can you bring uh, Jody's mic? Yeah, swatch it out. What's that? Oh, no, I want to see the new ones. All right, bring those new questions. All right, well, just bring, me, bring, bring us what you got, okay? And then we'll just take those later. Here you go, take that one, thank you. All right. So we're going to start... So I'll just give you a little background as Sherry peruses the questions. You only got one? That's right. I know, I know. That's all right. Oh, this one I'm going to. That's not yours? You sure? Have you put yeah. like five in here? I think you yeah. have. I got, I got okay. I'm going to start checking the writing. All right. So, I think you've got like five questions. Okay. So our goal, our <laughs> goal for this limit. service is yeah. five, five to six five questions. Five to six. So we're going to ask the most intriguing okay. ones. Okay. That's Can all I take them? Um, yeah, no, I'm just going to look. Okay. You want, yes, I would like to look at them. Right. Well, I just was well, there's a couple to I want to answer. Don't mix them up, though, because I want to see the ones gonna, from the service. Yeah, I wanted to not mix them up. All right. You're going to get an inside dynamic. My daughter's laughing. You're going to get an inside mm -hmm. dynamic of our relationship. She's like, that's my parents. It's right. It's your parents. So just a little bit of background. She, she gave the background in the first service, so I'll give the background. My name is Kevin. This is Sherry. We've been married 32 years. Yes. Hallelujah. So um, we have two beautiful children. Uh, we have uh, my lovely daughter, Mariah, who's here this morning. And then we have a son. She's, I don't want to give your age because we won't do that. Not your, she, even though your mom did. But we have a son, too. And our son, I'll give you my, he's 23. So uh, we've been married for that long. We've been through a lot of things together. We've been through a lot of storms. We've been through a lot of ups, a lot of, a lot of downs. There's probably not a challenge that we have not faced. We faced financial problems. We faced child-rearing problems. We faced health problems. We faced every sphere of life. And we're still relational problems. Yeah, well, of course, mm -hmm. relational problems. And we're still standing. And so it's a testimony. Strong. Yes. It's Happy. A, yes. Living the dream. Not making it. Actually living, living the, the dream. dream. <laughs> so um, our best life now. But so our, you know, one of the things is, is that, you know, our, our life is a testimony of a faithfulness towards the Lord, which produces a faithfulness towards one another. And so you're going to hear a lot of Jesus-centric stuff that the relationship will not succeed without if you're, we're talking about marriage, the relationship is not going to succeed without the Lord being actively involved. So um, that's just a little bit about us. I don't want to talk too much about us, but I do want you to be familiar. And uh, I remember when I was younger and early married, I used to think, man, I could never talk on marriage because I hadn't been married that long. But now I'm like, bring it, man. What, you know, I'm like, there's nothing here. So do you want to, do you want to share anything or is there come some questions you want to open with? I mean, what do you, what do you want to start with? This is from today. This is from today. So we covered in first service. Say to me, okay, tell me what you want me. Okay, so just do it, and then you'll say, okay, well, give me them. So uh, pick, pick the so, ones that you already picked. Well, I, I have this. So, uh, okay. okay, well, these are really good ones. Yeah, that's from today. This is all different from first service. Do you want to start out with dating, or do you well, want to yeah, start out with marriage? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so we'll, we'll just start, we'll start what with What am I doing with that? Uh, I don't know. I got are that you for you. Are handing this to me to hold? 
This is my gift for you. I am serving you. Look here. I'm honoring you with water. Here, I'll just hold it here. Here's your water. Yeah, you want to hold that? Yeah, Yeah, okay. It's right here. All right, let's put it up there. All right, all right. I'll put it over here. Okay, no worries. All right. Anyway. Okay, so let's just talk about dating. How do you know that the person you're meant to be, how do you know that the person that you are dating is the person you're meant to be with? How will God tell you what this person is? So we're going to touch a little bit on dating. We spent a lot of time last service talking about dating. So we're going to pivot off that. If you want to know the dating stuff, to watch watch first service. Uh, It'll be up on Facebook and YouTube and the social sites. But we will touch on it a little bit. There was a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Um, So. So first of all, the, the concept, the, the, the truth is, say it with me, Jesus, Jesus, he matches hearts. He matches hearts. So how do you know you find the right person? So the right person, if you're a believer, is a believer. That's number one. You know, and you see people say, well, why shouldn't I marry an unbeliever? Because you're going to have a lot of problems marrying an unbeliever. Marriage is extremely difficult. And, it's, and when you marry someone who is not of the fa- same faith perspective or directionally of the same faith perspective that you are, that is going to compound the situation. And really what happens when you marry an unbeliever, you're marrying an unsubmitted person. Because the essence of what we are as Christians is we're submitted unto the Lord. So we come to Christ and it's deny yourself, take up your cross and follow. That's the whole idea. And when you marry someone who's not submitted to the Lord, the likelihood of that person wanting to work through a relationship is very, very low. And the reason for that is, is because look, I stay married to her because God commands it. I change because God commands it. You know, so my accountability is not necessarily with my wife. My accountability is with the Lord. And so my honor is to her, but it comes to him first. And so that, that's kind of like the, um, uh, the role that, that we go off of. What, what did you want to say off singlehood? I want to lead, let you lead this out. So talk about singlehood, how they find the person that they're supposed to be with, how they know it's the right person, and what, what, should, they be, um, what should they be looking for? Right. Uh, well, God has an ideal. There's a couple different formats. Um, some people are married to unbelievers, and the Bible is very clear that if you're married to an unbeliever and they don't want to leave you, um, and they want to dwell peaceably with you, you're to stay with them. And, and as long as there's nothing inappropriate like abuse, emotional abuse, or physical abuse, cheating, something like that, you're to dwell peaceably with them. And the Bible is very clear that you sanctify the marriage by your relationship, and you're to continue to pray for them. Uh, God does wonderful works in people. Um, I'm sure there's a few people even here that their praying wife or their praying uh, husband has brought them towards faith and influenced them towards faith and seen a huge change happen in their lives because of their um, their faith-based mate. So that can happen. If you find yourself in that situation, there's hope. Pray. Believe the Lord. Begin to sow seeds um, of tenderness, seeds of hope, seeds of truth, seeds of life. Be a person of prayer. Pray for them and uh, pray over them. Pray for them when they need it and pray um, when they're not around, you know, intercede for them. So God will give you the words, the intercessory words in which to bring life and to bring um, catalytic change and release power into a situation for change. It's the same with your children. God loves to redeem relationships. God loves to redeem relationships. So, but if you are dating, is that for your question, right? Right for the dating. Okay, so um, in looking for someone. How do they find that person? How you find it. Now, uh, (laughs) as a single, um, you need to get you need to, there's different, we are in different stages. Uh, some of us are in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And each stage has a different need. So the main thing that you're going to have to do is get in the mix 
of meeting people. So you have got to increase your social interactions. So um, in dating, you don't really want to date. You want to start with uh, just being friendships. You want to start building relationships of friendship and getting to know people. I married uh, him, but I was very good friends with him for a while. And in that friendship, I noticed that there was compatibility there and that my heart was changing towards him. So I began to date him or like look in the direction of commitment or relationship from that friendship. So, but you can meet someone and you can do social fun things, uh, b bonding things, things to meet people, get to know people, and you don't necessarily have to start something with him. You're just in a get to know. So, but you need to wait before you start the dating until you start hearing the Lord, or at least, you know, feeling the inclination of the Lord. How do you know it's God? Well, um, not in the first service, I talked about this a little bit. And I had had very clear word from the Lord about what, you know, he wanted for my life. And I had already been, you know, talking to him about how I wanted, what I wanted to do, my desire to please him and serve him. And so I had words spoken over me. But at the time, I was in my young 20s, uh, 21 years old, 20 years old. And so there was things that were not fully formed in understanding prophetic words or discerning or completely um, uh, discerning the word or understanding how the practicality and the unfolding of all of it. So I began to look for the fulfillment of that through my own understanding and my own uh, efforts. And so I started picking men that I thought would fit this category. And so a big thing that we struggle with in dating is using our own understanding. So we have to make sure that if we're... Um, um, that we're hearing the Lord, and then we're giving him time to unfold uh, unfold the word to us, if that makes sense. So um, I thought that uh, Kevin, when I was dating him, I thought that he was, uh, he was well-suited for me. Uh, I, he wanted what? I thought different things. He was doing a more simple job. Um, I didn't fit her paradigms. I didn't fit, he didn't fit my She paradigms. liked me as a person, but the I cultural paradigms, she was looking yeah. at me through a cultural, cultural paradigm. Cultural paradigms, that's right. You know, of what she wanted. And God doesn't create the complete package singles, so you're looking for the complete package. Yeah. There's no such thing, right? What God does is uh, we, the two become one. So the whole concept of God's design for the male and the female, especially under the fall, is that Jesus said the two shall become one. They're not one off the rip. No one's where they want to be. And God takes two. He joins hearts and he turns them into a unified couple. The tension in marriage comes from oneness becoming one. Yeah. And that's why, that's why the whole idea of marrying an unbeliever, Scripture says, can two walk together unless they're agreed? And the, it's a rhetorical question. And the idea is basically no. They can't. And because the, the marriage is about oneness. I'll give you three quick tips on um, finding your mate, right? You guys want help? Anybody want help? Okay, so in about six weeks, I'll come back and I'm going to tell you that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm totally funny. joking. It's very funny. <laughs> no, but like, like, so really, so it looks like this. We talked about it more in depth in first service. The first thing is, A, do you want to, do you want to be married? Do you want, uh, yeah, a couple of those I want to answer. So there's a few there that I want to answer. So the, um, do, do you want to be married? Maybe you could take that one down. So that one's one, maybe. If you want to, I don't want to make you do that. But anyway, um, the, do you want to be married? Do you want to be in a relationship? Do you want, well, I just want what God has for me, right? There's intention that's involved. A, what, who, who, what, is, what is the person you're looking for? 
What, do that, what does that person look like? And I talk to singles a lot of times, and they give me this list of what they're looking for. And I'll say, well, what do you want? So describe him. Well, he's got to be like, like a nine. You know, he's got to have a condo. He's got to have this. He's got to have that. No, he doesn't. You know, all of that stuff, that's all. There's paradigms. There's kingdom paradigms, and there's cultural paradigms. And we're not commanded or called to walk by cultural paradigms. We're called to walk by kingdom paradigms. And so that, 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 that mindset is very limiting. And so what, who and what is it that you're looking for? Spirituality shouldn't be any lower than probably two on your list. And I would say one is got to love Jesus and follow Jesus. Your number, what, what, what doesn't guarantee success but exponentially increases the odds of you succeeding is when the person loves the Lord and is committed to the Lord more than they love you and is committed to committed to you. You don't want to marry someone or be with someone that does not, that honors you above the Lord. I honor her in the Lord, not above the Lord. And that's very, very important. So that, that spiritual component's got to be in there. So you have to make a list of what you want. The second thing, and this, that's easy. Oh, I want this. I want that. I want this. I want that. Everybody's got this little list that they have together. Secondly, and this will be part of the first part that I'm saying, is does that, does what I want align with kingdom values? Is what I'm looking for in alignment with kingdom values? Or is what I'm looking for in line with cultural values? That's, that's the question. You can choose culturally. You're free to do so. The Bible's very clear. Sow to the flesh, reap the whirlwind, right? You want to reap the whirlwind? Well, sow to the flesh, but sow to the spirit and you reap life. So you want to take those things, those ideas, and line them up with what God has for you. You say, well, I don't want somebody who's not attractive. Well, of course they're going to be attractive. That's the whole essence. You're not, you're, not, you're not marrying a list. You're marrying a person. And so when you find that person, that's, that's the number one thing. The second thing, and this is the, most hard, this is the, the hardest thing of all, the ideal that you want is, say it with me, becoming... The person that matches that ideal. Everybody wants Brad Pitt. Well, even though Brad Pitt's not married to her, well, you're not Angelina Jolie. You know what I'm saying? We all want this ideal that's outside of the person that we are. You have to become the person. Personal development's part of this game. Well, I'm just going to sit back and he's going to find me. Intentionality is very clear in the scripture. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, when you look at Isaac and Jacob, Isaac, they, uh, Abraham was intentional about finding a wife for his son. Jacob was intentional. He saw Rebecca and he's like, whoa. You look at the female side, you see Ruth. She was intentional. She wanted to marry Boaz. That was the guy she wanted. She, it made sense. It lined up. She did all the things to put herself in Boaz's sight. She wasn't just sleeping in the, in the barn going, I hope Boaz finds me, ladies. You should read the story. There's a lot of hidden parts there. She stood in his line of sight. So wherever Boaz was, she was in his line of sight. Bible says she bathed, which is another word of is she got she prepared herself. She looked pretty. She showed a little real estate. You know what I'm saying? There was an attractive component that was going on. Not there. really. You're not supposed to show real estate, but yes. Come on. Really? Anyway, so. I'm not talking about being sexual. I'm talking about being beautiful. But she put herself in his line of sight. You understand? And then uh, 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 Jacob knew exactly what he wanted. He saw her, right? And it made sense. There was a, spir there was a, a spiritual connection that was there. And, and Jacob went through a lot of effort to win her and to get her there. But he was intentional. Everything around Jacob was denying him, but he was intentional. To get, to get her, and I could tell you stories off that, but I don't want to burn the time. So there's got to be a sense of intentionality here, people. And you've got to become the person that, look, Boaz was, Boaz was a man of prominence and power. And I don't think that uh, Ruth presented herself as a beggar. 
She presented herself as someone that was equal to him in prominence and power. She presented herself as an ancestor that was a servant of, of one of his ancestors. She was beautiful. She didn't come in rags. He had empathy for her when she was in rags. He had love for her when she was in beauty. Big difference, right? You know, and then there's value and worth. You have the whole idea with Jacob going value and worth. So there's got to be some intentionality. What are you looking for? And are you the person that matches the ideal that you're searching for? Are you? This is, that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road. I want someone who's athletic and fit. Well, my question is, is are you athletic and fit? Or do you wheeze when you go up five, five, steps, five steps? You know what I'm saying? You know, I want someone who's intelligent and has a PhD or is really smart. Well, did you barely make it out of high school? You, you know what I'm saying? The, 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 the components have to match. So you mean realistic. You have to be realistic, realistic. in your expectations. Yeah, expectations. You have to be intentional. You have if to you're know trying what you to, want. If you're 50 and you're trying to date someone 28. Right. What she Again, just shared to you with, 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 with us is that same, there's a similar dynamic that's there. She was looking for something within the heart. She just couldn't see it within the exterior. She was looking, the paradigm that she had was a completed package. And she didn't understand that God doesn't bring, he's not going to bring a completed package to you. He brings two people together in unison, and he understands the heart that she's looking for and the heart that you're looking for, and he unites hearts. And together, he takes all of that other stuff, all of those other dreams and visions, and he forms them together as a couple. But we, because we're trained by this culture, we have to marry the guy who's got the Mercedes, who lives, in the, who lives on South Beach on the 20th floor of the penthouse, who's got it all going on, who's established. So we got to marry the Barbie, who's just beautiful, blingy, and all this other stuff. That is the wrong paradigm. And you will suffer great pain if you do that. You will suffer a lot of pain and anguish if you do that. If you marry for vanity, then vanity is what you get. You, that's what you will get. If you marry for heart, then heart is what you will get. And so that's the problem. And you've got to take your paradigms off. We disqualify very good people because they don't match our paradigm. They don't match our paradigm. They, well, no, she was disqualifying me right? She had heard all her life, she's going to marry a pastor, she's going to marry a pastor, she's going to marry a pastor, right? That's been from the time she was a little girl. Hold on, let me just finish this. I was not that at that time. I was a carpenter. I was close, right? I was close. <laughs> I was close, right? But her dad was a builder, so she didn't want that same dynamic, what she grew up with, and so she didn't understand that, and she, little did she know that that was God's purpose and plan for me, but she couldn't see it, even though our hearts So, matched, and I just wanted to was, add that the paradigm that I was working from was distorted because I also had my insecurities, and um, I came with, like, views of, uh, I had my insecurities, I had my um, fear that God wouldn't uh, do what he had promised through this relationship and that I, I would have to wait for it. So I had an attitude that I'd have to look at it with faith um, as opposed to having the finished um, the finished package. And a lot of times we, when we're dating, um, even when we get into marriage, we start to get very afraid and we start to lose our bearings very easily because we don't think that God is in it anymore because you're starting to have difficulties or hard seasons or trials. And something that I said in first service is a marriage is not designed to always make you happy, but it is designed to make you holy. So God has an intention to make you holy through the relationship. And Jesus has uh, a perfect relationship with Father and with Holy Spirit. And so he has the design of relationship comes from God. God has designed relationships. And relationships of marriage are, or close relationships, your family, are also great revealers of your own issues, areas that you have weakness, character, flaws, 
issues where you need to grow in integrity, um, different areas. So uh, relationships are designed to expose and to reveal, and, and that can be for our good and for our bad. So you can be around someone in a relationship with them and you'll start to see how great they are, how much a person of character, how much when push comes to shove that they actually have like a lot of fortitude, uh, fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. All of those areas start to manifest in their life because you're getting to know them. You're in friendship with them. And so that's the type of person that you're looking for because everything externally changes. And when we use um, when we use the world's or the carnal system of things, the natural system uh, of this world of uh, picking someone, that's where we start to run into the trouble. Now, if we've already are married and maybe we're unequally yoked, one of the questions are. What do I do if I'm unequally yoked? Listen, if you're unequally yoked or you feel like your husband or your wife is not as mature as you are in the faith, pray. You have a God who is faithful. Uh, if we were designed to do everything perfectly in this life, we wouldn't need a Savior and we wouldn't need a God. We would be perfect. So God knows. He foreknew we were going to get ourselves into situations that were less perfect or less less ideal than what he would have planned for us. But he is able to work in it. Something I didn't share in first service that I think is really important to hear is that this person is who I'm sharing this life with, but he's not the one and only. There are other what? people that God could give to me if he should pass away, I should pass away, so that we're not alone. We're sharing this life together. We choose to make a commitment before God to share this life together. And I do believe he's who God's picked for me. But if I was unable, I didn't have a husband or I needed something or something happened or just whatever can go on in the seasons of life or the unforeseen circumstances, um, God will give me someone to share this life. But he's not, he is not the only one and only. Jesus is the one and only. He cannot be everything, all things to all, all areas of my life. He can't. He's just a man. I'm just a woman. I will not be everything to him. I, it's impossible for me to be. It's, I'm way better than him being alone, and he's way better uh, for me than me being alone. And so we share this life together, pursuing the same common denominator, which is Jesus and the high calling of Christ. That's the design. And so when I don't put the pressure on him to be Jesus for me, and I look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, I then become made uh, complete um, and lacking nothing. And he becomes the uh, complement of sharing a life together in pursuit of, of Christ. So that's just something to put in there right. because we put a standard as even with dating, um, and I, I was starting to say that, but and you started to share something, but um, we put a standard on dating that that person has to be almost Jesus. <laughs> the standard that we put, they have to be so spiritually mature, they have to have we it all together, good they people. have to do all of these things. We have a big list, almost like Santa Claus, that list that, that roll out, and these are all the things that you want for Christmas. You know, when you're a kid, well, they're not. They're not, they're just, they're a person. And they have faith like you do. And your relationship with them is going to form them into Christ and the journey of pursuing Christ together. Yes. You are making that person more like Christ through relationship together and sharing that uh, life together in this life. Okay, there won't be marriage when we get into heaven. All right, so, but I'm sharing this life in this marriage. Okay, so 
um, it's important to realize that that person that you have these high expectations. And one of the other questions I'll just uh, deal with, um, um, uh, I, I'm going to deal with a couple if I can. What do you do when uh, a person uh, that God has for you is dating someone else and, and they're not married? This was a question that was asked. Um, if God, if the, God is for that relationship, then that will work out. There, they, we can get our wires crossed, and so the Bible says not one word will fall that he is ordained. And so we can think someone is for us, but if that person doesn't kind of get in alignment, how with many it, people prophesied not, you as their it's wife? Not God. Uh, at least three other people said that God. The Lord told has them told me that you're going to marry me, Sherry, and I never heard that. You will marry me. I didn't me. hear it, and it's not. You know, it's just it. Look, we're well-meaning. You know, but we prophesy in part, right? We see it's a veil, right? So there's things that we can miss it. We're not Jesus. We don't have full understanding of all things, the full mind of Christ. We struggle sometimes, okay? So we're going to miss it sometimes, and our emotions are going to get the best of us. And even building intimacy with someone that's not to be our husband or our wife, we will get our wires crossed sometimes. So if that person is not feeling it like you're feeling it, then chances are you're probably wrong. And you've just missed it. There's never a unicorn. You know? There's no such thing yeah, as the unicorn. That's a really good thing. That you we act like serve. that there's a unicorn. There's the glorious one and only. No, there's no glorious one and only. There's types. And each type is a match for you. Yeah. There's a type. And God can make Compatibilities. Any, the Lord can make any relationship successful. Mm -hmm. provided he can fix anything he can fix anything mm -hmm. but he can make the marriage and any relationship successful provided that he's involved right yes. you can't fix it you don't have the ability to make marriage last marriage stagnates and if you're getting married or you are married you need to realize that marriage has its challenges five seven years seven ten years ten fifteen years and seasonal there's, changes there's challenges there's challenges within mm -hmm. the relationship God will not make the relationship works when both couples are submitted to, to him and both and both parties are willing to change when when marriages fall apart it's because one or both parties will not change that's really it and they're not willing to change you married me, this is the way I am, oh well, get over it. That marriage is doomed to stagnate, grow stale at, be at best, or that marriage is doomed to fail. It will either stay flatlined and the garden will not produce, or that, or that marriage will fall apart entirely. Yeah. We are called to change. Relationships we are change. Yeah. We change. I have to change for her. She and has to change, to change for, for me. That's and at right. the center is the Lord. My love for her makes me change, makes me change my temperament, makes me change my attitude, makes me change my words, makes me change my schedule, makes me change everything about me because that's the mandate on my life. Her honor for me commands her to do the same thing. The way that she speaks to me, the way that she cares for me, her attitude towards me, all of those things are relied to be changed on. And what happens is, is when, 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 even when couples are having a problem, if one or both couples are willing to change, if, you know, it requires both parties at some stage, everybody's got to change. But if one or both parties will not change, the marriage will not, it will fail. You can write it down. God is capable of doing anything and he's capable of yes. re reforming the marriage and marriage, as she touched on, produces the deficiency. If you think marriage is one eternal bliss, it's not. 
It might be for a little bit. And you ever heard the story? It's honey, wonderful. Honeymoon's yeah, over. Well, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world. But I would mm -hmm. not be the person that I am had I not been married. Marriage, marriage brings out your selfishness, your ego, your pride, all, all your fears, your insecurity. All that stuff gets on deck. Your integrity. Bro. Your yeah. Character. If you think, and that's again, that's a paradigm thing that we think we get Christian marriage and we're just going to be celebrating in bliss and Jesus is just going to be hovering down the, the halls of our home. It's that is not true. God, ground zero. Say it with me. Ground zero. Ground zero. For discipleship. For discipleship. And transformation, and transformation is marriage. Is marriage. That's how God changes, transforms, and disciples his sons and daughters. And what happens is the Christian pushes back against that because, again, it's an ideal and it's a paradigm. Oh, the marriage isn't, isn't working, Pastor. And I'm like, well, what's the deal? And they tell me, and I go, man, the marriage is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's revealing your selfishness. It's revealing his, his ego. He's got arrogance and pride, and you're selfish. This marriage is working perfectly. We need to change. And then when we, either one of the parties don't change, the marriage will disintegrate. I'm not changing. And the marriage is doomed to fail. I will not change. Yeah. I will not change. That's, again, narcissism. That, that's, that's where that... All right, I'm going to ask one more... Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to answer a singles thing, and then you can answer the, yeah. some of those I, married. Yeah, okay. Okay, so uh, there's a couple of the, the same. Why do some uh, men and women pick um, losers or bad choices? Why do women pick losers? Do okay, women pick... Okay, hold on. I'm going to get there. It's my question. You know... I won't say Kayate, right? That's right. <laughs> That's supposed to Was say that shut up? <laughs> well, siatate to you. Siatate. Let's sit down. <laughs> okay, I'm going to sit down and shut up. All righty. No, all righty. Why How about do, Andiamo? Okay, why do some, well, yeah, Andiamo. Let's go together. Yeah. So why do some men and women uh, pick losers or bad choices? Why do certain men or women have unrealistic expectations and... Um, that disqualify good people. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try that, and then yeah, you can. Go ahead. And then why? Um, why do they disregard them? And uh, why are singles in the church not connecting and getting married? Okay, this is really good. So singles in the church Touch on the uh, are not. Too. Why are they not getting married? Culturally, we've been uh, developed or indoctrinated in our culture uh, to not marry, uh, even from school. You're taught to. Um, just try the car out, you know, uh, play around, live, live together, um, try out the car, see how this, if you like the person, uh, live together. We're not taught to uh, actually commit, and we're not taught biblical principles, which are to, um, to marry. We are to marry, and we're to commit to one person. So that is one of the reasons, and we don't realize that it's fear and our uncertainty of the future of one of the other reasons of why we don't commit. Because if God is with us, he will help us in the process. Who I married is not the person that he is today. When we started out, we were just two nummy nums, you know, dum-dums. You know, we really weren't that smart. We were just normal, everyday people. But Jesus. And, but Jesus. And we faithfully just continue to live life together, be faithful to each other, commit, uh, read your Bible, Go to church, pray, planning to kill one another, but not divorce. That's what we did. We stayed in the church. We listened to the teachings. We lived out I'm the teachings. I'm sure, are you planning to kill me? We oh, lived yeah, out. Well, we lived kidding. our life on mission, and we raised our kids and just kept staying with our faith, staying in the faith. Uh, and that is the difference. Does does it mean it changed overnight? No, it didn't change overnight. God works through time. So through prayer and faithfully believing God and being faithful to him as a person and him being faithful to me as a person when we weren't cutting the mustard at times for each other. There was a lot of lack. There was a lot of things that we had to learn 
learn and figure out. I was ignorant in areas. He was ignorant in areas relationally, spiritually, different things, how to understand each other, how to communicate, how to be good listeners, how to be patient, how to be kind after 10 years of the same toothbrush squeezed all over the counter or pants on the floor, some things like this that really start to agitate and make people bitter and see that mate with uh, old eyes. So we don't see them with fresh lenses as with the eyes of the spirit. And I'll share something, um, this is about marriage and then I'll answer these, but um, I talked with a, a gal, they had been married 30, maybe even 35 years married, more than us, I think 40. And she was saying, he's a, a godly man, good man, solid, good man. And she said, I just don't wanna be with him anymore. And he doesn't change. And um, and she would talk to me, and I'm like, "You listen. Change. Change is not easy for any of us. It just isn't. Change. Um, but one thing that happens for us as women or as men is that we will look at that person like the person that's been annoying to us for 20 years or 15 years or 12 years or five years with the same annoying thing, like that sense of humor, that funny little ha 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 laugh is now become annoying and agitating. It's not funny anymore. The humor you know? that attracted you, yeah, now you look at like him and say, funny. is everything a joke to you? That's not funny, yes. And so you start, you start to have bitterness and judgment in, in your heart and unforgiveness towards that person. And I told this gal, I said, listen, I said, you, could, you cannot be with him, or you can see the good that's there and keep believing God for the change and working on the change and, and dealing with it between the two of you. Because something that you have to realize is that when that guy gets back on the market, are you going to be okay because that woman is going to look at him with fresh eyes? And if you don't have fresh eyes for him, somebody else will. Because none of us are easy enough to get along with. All of us have issues. We just do. We have struggles, we have insecurities, we have fears, we have intrepidation, we're, you know, we don't know what we're doing, we're ignorant. You know, we're do nobody does anything in marriage intentionally wrong. It's just the fact. Nobody walks into marriage thinking they're gonna divorce, have problems, need a marital counselor, any of that stuff. Need some inner healing, need some deliverance, any of that stuff. Nobody walks into marriage thinking those things are gonna start coming out. So, and, and, but we have to have fresh eyes for that person. We have to have grace, and we have to be faithful in prayer. It doesn't say faithful in nagging. We aren't the Holy Spirit. You know, we're, we're, we aren't. The Holy Spirit is the one who deals with people's hearts and makes change. We're the intercessor. And a lot of times, and this is men too, we want to say it more than pray it. And our job is to really intercede. And if you see something in someone and you can see all the 10 areas that are so obnoxiously annoying in that person, and I have them and he has them, my job, if there is something revealed to me, is to pray for him and to intercede that God will show you. And if you take the time and you actually humbly and sincerely start interceding for that, that mate, God will start giving you, the Holy Spirit will start giving you spiritual words, spiritual prayers, the exact way to intercede for that person. And he'll even start giving you fresh eyes of understanding, of compassion, of love towards them that you can bear along with them and, and, and go, another, no, go another mile, if that makes sense. So it's important that uh, that's there. So I just want to say, uh, why do some... Can I say some, one thing to that? Um, yes, go ahead. Okay, so when it comes to that dynamic... Um, looking at people with fresh eyes, and this this comes this is this comes same to, with your kids, right? Your had I known children, this, had your I known mother, your father. So what I'm about to your tell you, sister, right? What I'm about to tell you, I didn't know when I was younger, right? 
So the benefit of experience is those, is those that can hear from the experience. So being with her, had I known this little principle 20 years ago, my life would have been way what more. What is it? I'm about to wait for it. <laughs> wait for it. Uh, it's just um, don't pray for it to be easier. Pray for you to get better. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the problem. We want it easier. No, I need to be a better person. You know, I need to get better. I can't control what she does, but I can control what I do. And the way that I approach her always, and believe me, the, you know, I've wanted to walk out on, you know, if you don't think, if, there, there's, if anybody tells you they've been married 30 years and they've never had thoughts of walking out on their marriage, they're a liar. They're a flat out liar. And Struggles are real. They're very, it's very intense and it's very strong, right? And the pain, you know, cuts very deep between a man and a woman in a relationship because no one knows you more than she does. No one hurts you more than she does. That's the way it is. You know? He and, says that like that. And the gate she at the end of my like driveway this, look like the golden like gate to, to, to my freedom. But at the end of the day is what does the Lord want from me? And you can say, oh, that's too pious and too spiritual. You're sons and daughters. You're Christians. You're not common. You're called to honor the king. Your life is not in submission to yourself. It's in submission to him. And what does God want from me? And God wants me to make this relationship work. And that's going to cause, and that's going to force me to change. And I'd be like, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. Don't pray, Kevin, that it's easier. Pray that you get better. I will give you the ability to get better, but I am not changing this. When you get better, it will change. You see, we want it changed and we want it to get easy. You don't need it easier. So what did I need to do? I needed to become more temperate. I need to become more kind. I needed to not be so easily Patient. offended. A, I need to honor and respect Sensitive. the things that she's asking of me. You know, now women can be overly demanding. Sorry, can be. you can be. But not everything that, that, not everything that the woman asks for is overly demanding. Intense. It's not. And there were things that I was ignoring and I was being, and I was being, yeah, and being indifferent to, and I, you know, for whatever reasons. And so I need to become better. I need, I need to not pray that this is easier. You, and some of you married people, you're struggling right now. And some of y'all that are going to get married or in a relationship or whatever, you're ready on for your second marriage be, or, you know, because your first one, somebody wouldn't change and it was selfishness and greed and, and stupidity and a lack of servitude and all of the things that caused the marriage to erode, all of those things. God will give you a second time around. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer, right? He'll do it. But you need to not pray for it to be easier. You need to pray to get better. You know, if you're looking for someone that's not going to be like your ex-husband, well, good luck. They all carry the, all women carry the same. You know, guys are like, oh, you know, I don't like dating women. You know, we always disqualify. Oh, she's got issues. She's got issues. I get guys that tell me, you know, I liked her. But as soon as the emotional barrier was broken, you know, you got fearful and insecure. Oh, yeah, that's what happened. You got afraid because the emotional barrier is now broken and your vulnerabilities are exposed. And so men want to run or they use this excuse. Oh, yeah. You know, I just found out that she's got issues. I tell guys all the time. Every single woman has issues. Every single man has issues. OK, look in the look in the mirror. True. And what happens is, is that men get, you know, th those are okay. all excuses. Those are excuses. We have th th those are. Th th yeah. But those all of those things are excuses. They're excuses. They Get rid of your excuses. excuses. Stop asking for it to be easier. Every woman has complexity. Listen, I come from a father who was married to my mother for 18 years, got married a second time. That maybe lasted three or four. And then he spent the rest of his lifetime going from woman to woman to woman. And so my dad was always expecting 
a different version of this story. And it was the same version on repeat because the problem wasn't there. The problem was him. That's the problem. And so instead of my father getting better, my father stayed the same and expected everything around him to change. That's a fallacy. That's wrong. And that will not produce life and that will not produce betterness. So I, I've, I've worked on myself. I can't control her. I work on her. And it's interesting that as I, as I get better, she begins to respond differently to me. You know, and she true. at first she's freaked out because she she gets she gets confused by my tactics. <laughs> she'll look at me and she'll be like, "Well, you never responded tactics? that way before. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed okay. to do," because she's already prepared with her response, so she's confused by my tactics, and so she, it it takes her time to adjust to the way that I'm now going to treat her and the way that I'm now going to be to her, and that takes time. And the same goes with her. You know, I'm used, I'm used to a response that comes in this manner. And when she changes, I'm like, I'm a little bit like, okay, well, I guess we've reset this. And that's what enables the, that's what enables the relationship to go forward. Singles disqualify each other based upon issues. Singles and, and pay, people that have become, gone through painful divorces, hurtful divorces, they have a hard time recalibrating their life into a future because they don't realize they need to let the pain go. They need to believe God for a hopeful future and they need to become a different person. They need to understand that they probably chose selfishly. You chose out of vanity. You chose out of ignorance. Let's just be honest. That's what ends marriage is. And you have to first change yourself. What did I do? Ouch, it's not your fault. Yeah, okay, he was selfish and he was greedy and he was running around with another woman. I get all that, but you married him. You know, so at the end of the day, his, he has responsibility or she has responsibility. You know, I tend to speak from the male context. So like he has, she has responsibility. The other party has responsibility, but you made that choice. So where's the dysfunction in the choice? You chose vainly. You chose ignorantly. You chose for the wrong reasons. So you have to look at what promoted that choice and you have to change it because if you don't, you will repeat that mistake. You have to get better. And if you get better and you understand what it is that you want and ask the Lord, does my vision of this man or this woman align with you, get, have that happening, then understanding and becoming the person that meets the ideal that you've set forth, even though it's all going to, you know, the ideals are going to go away, but at least you're, you're going to have a, a clear, under, you're going to be that person and you're going to be more confident in the choices that you make. You understand what I'm saying? And it's going to get better, but you can't, if, if I would have known this 20 years ago, I would have been, my marriage would have been different, you know, and I'm the person that I am through the pain and the difficulties and all the hardships that we've gone through, but it could have been way easier and it could have been way healthier. So what I just said there, some of y'all need to write that down, whether you're married, getting married, or looking to the future, because I can assure you that what I just told you is gold, and what I just told you is truth. You don't pray for it to be easier. You pray that you could be better. You don't pray for a different wind. You pray for the, where to put the sail. How do I navigate this season, Lord? How do I go through this season? Where do I put the wind? You can't change the wind, and you most definitely aren't going to change your partner, not by will, not you, but you can change yourself, and that creates, then everything begins. If you don't change, nothing changes. It's stuff I say all the time. Right. And this is stuff I've learned. And you can benefit from that. You can benefit through okay. through that. So, anyway, so, uh, so uh, why do some men and women pick uh, wrongly? So you will find uh, when you are looking for someone that you have to look at what your appetites are. Um, sometimes you'll see that people will date the same type of person and they will 
even be like an aggressive, violent person or very worldly. There's godly women that will go after like worldly, um, what would you call them, bad boys, um, but they're not attracted to good, uh, good men, uh, solid men. Um, you have to take a look at that. Um, that is something that happens. That's one of the questions. Why do men and women pick, pick wrongly, pick losers? And so sometimes we have appetites for certain types of people. Maybe your dad was this type of person, or um, it's probably related, uh, family related. And so you have you don't pick the the good guy. He's too boring for you. You pick someone who's more randy and trouble and like wild and crazy, and you go after that, even though you're the you're you're you're, you're a godly person. And so you have to start taking a look at why you pick those, you make those choices. Why do you have that carnal appetite, firstly? Why do I have a carnal appetite? And then you need to make um, intentional actions to change your thinking and change your appetites. And I thought when I was dating Kevin, uh, I thought, oh, he's not going to be able to handle me. I'm not, you know, oh, I'm too it. strong for her, him. You know, I'm, I'm still I'm handling too this, it. I'm too that. And I had to come to terms with that um, I had appetites that were contrary because of my upbringing, contrary to the design of God for me. And I had to rethink them. And the other thing is, is sometimes we think one of another uh, falsity is that if the sexual chemistry isn't there, people will say, "Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attracted. There's not a chemistry. We're just friends." No, God wants you to marry your friends. He does. He doesn't want you to marry the hot guy or the hot girl walking down the street driving the BMW with half dressed. You know, he doesn't. He wants you to marry someone compatible with character, with integrity, with substance, with meaningful, that can carry the weight of a marriage and raising children together and living a, a whole life together. So a lot of times we will pick some, we will have a, a false thinking that we've learned indoctrinated from our schools or from um, maybe our background, we weren't raised in a godly home. And so we'll pick wrongly because we're, we have a, a wrong perspective or a wrong paradigm in who we're choosing. So we pass on the good guy and we pick the, we pick the bad boy. And so one of the ways that you can work on that is start noticing it, acknowledge that this is the type of person that I struggle with uh, being attracted to, and then even get yourself spiritual mentors like within the church that you'll bring them if your parents are spiritual, um, ask them, is this a solid person? You know, bringing them around people. Is this like I always date this type of guy or I always date this type of girl? Is this this again repeated? And let those people speak into your life that say, no, that's you're you're dating that way again. And I don't mean someone just older. I mean someone with wisdom, with spiritual wisdom and spiritual maturity that, that cares knows about the Bible you well, and your interests and that cares and about and, and your will best tell interest. you that no, this you're you're dating that type again. You're you're looking in the wrong direction again. And so that's one of the things that happens. And then um, uh, Can I just, the unrealistic, out? yeah. I'll just say this real quick. God's quick, design. Yeah, no, no, I got you. And I want to I talk yeah, about gonna, roles I'm in the marriage. I'm just going to do this last question. Okay, then, so yeah. just like the way that God, um, you know, the, the, the culture teaches you it's hot, it's sex, it's this, it's that, it's, it's all of this stuff. It's trophy. It's not really, that's not God's design. No, it's you not. You know, we used to teach our kids that like that's, that, that we, look, we, look. Bodies change. Can I get a witness? Right? Looks change. Bible says strong men bow because as we get older, uh, you know, it's like we, that all goes. God's design is spiritual compatibility, 
emotional compatibility, which is the soul, the mind and the will and the emotions. You desire the same things. You, there's an intellectual connection. There's, a, there's a, you know, a thinking level. There's a heart connection in the things that you feel, believe, and desire. That's there, spirit, soul, and then body, right? We've got it completely flipped it around. I mean, we've got it body, you know, and then after the body, it, well, if we don't have any kind of, if there's no connection or if that, we lose that loving feeling. And it's just this constant discard of, of life. And it happens a lot of times even among Christians. God does not bless fornication, Christian. So when we have fornicating relationship, what's fornication? Sex outside of marriage. The Bible says this, marriage is honorable among all and the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers will be under judgment. In other words, God will allow the enemy to judge that. The enemy will accuse you based upon that, and the Lord says, I will allow that judgment. That marriage will not be blessed, that rela or that, that relationship, that fornicating, cohabitating relationship will not be blessed. It will be lean. What's going to happen is it's going to be destroyed. No, but there's going, to be, there's going to be a lack of satisfaction. There's going to be all kinds of things. Why does God not want us to fornicate? Why not? Why? What, is God just this cosmic killjoy? Sherry was talking about test driving the car in the first service. But, you know, why is that? Because God would guard us. He would guard us. Our sexuality is directly linked to our identity. Most of the pain and the brokenness in people's lives is directly related to people that they had sex with and now the relationship's over. That's where all the pain is because you've given yourself to something that now proves itself to be meaningless. That's just the emotional level. You have the physical level. There's never been a sexually transmitted disease that has come out of a monogamous marriage. It just doesn't happen. But yet, there's a curse on that. You're going to go out there and you're going, to have, you're going to have fornicating sex and that just seems like the thing to do. Woo, let's all go do that. But at the same time, you're playing Russian roulette. You know, there's something, there's that, that stuff produces, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and all this other stuff. So if you want to do that, you want to go and get yourself something itchy, well, that's your, that's your you know, you want to get the gift that keeps on giving, then, then that's, that's, you can live by the flesh, Christian. It does not condemn you. But you will, be, you will be held accountable to the consequences of that choice. And if you sin, sin ignorantly, arrogantly, it will, come, it will be there. And so all of, this stuff, all of this stuff is necessary. I just want to hit this, then we're going to go here, and then I want to talk about roles in marriage. Because I know we have a lot of singles here, and I know we have, we have uh, married couples as well. Somebody asked the first question. They said, how long should we date before we get married? I said, look, if, you're, if you guys are adults and you have adult jobs, an adult relationship and you're dating more than six months and that, mar and that relationship is not tracking towards marriage in the short term, you need to separate. God is not intending for you to date in, in this. In, well, I got to date her for, for, for a year. I got to date her. You know, look, if, you don't, if you're with that girl and you're with her for six months, you love Jesus, she loves Jesus, you got a job, she's got a job or whatever, there's a financial ability to sustain. That's it. You know, he's got a job, he can support himself, he's got his apartment. He's married material if he loves Jesus. That's the bottom line. And God is not into protracted dating. He's just not. Because when you date over long periods of time, it is inevitable that you're going to cross the line into sexuality. And then once you cross the line, it's inevitable. We're, 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 look, we're, we're created to turn each other on. It's just the way we, you know, we get shocked like man and a woman is together and they're having sex. We're like, <gasps> I mean, that's the whole point, you know, in a romantic relationship. That's, that's the whole drive. So it's like, get married, you know, get, you know, and, and there's a lot, I got a lot of questions already, I'm asking myself questions as I'm making this statement that I don't have the time to answer. But if you're dating, you should not date in long periods of time. There shouldn't be two-year dating. I shared at first service, this woman said to me, that's the story of my life. I said, what happens is, is when you're dating like that and there's no intention for marriage, the Bible calls it fraud. You're defrauding that person. You're taking from some, that person something that belongs to another. 
That's, that's something that belongs to another man's wa- to another man. That's something that belongs to another woman. And I said, what typically happens with men, this is, this is the male culture, and I've had guys tell me, why do you share that, you know? Because it's a, a lot of times it's a game. Like, they'll date you, be with you. Oh, you're the one and only girl. You're the one and only girl. Two or three years has go by. Oh, are we going to get married? Oh, yeah, girl, I love you. If you don't marry me, I'm breaking up. Oh, that's okay. He gets her a ring. So he gives her a ring, right? Now he knows in his mind that's going to get me another two years. So now we have another two years of relationship here. I gave you a ring. I gave you a ring. I gave you a ring. Two years go by. We're going to get married. Oh, let's live together first. You know, we need to make sure that this relationship's going to work. You don't want to get divorced, do you? So then they start living together. That gives them another two years. And then what ends up happening is eventually that guy or that girl, whoever it is, it's usually the guy, will not commit to that relationship. And that girl has just wasted five years of her life to a man that will never commit to her. And then that man moves on, and now it's going to take her a year or two to recover from the damage and the toxicity of the relationship. So she just wasted seven years of her life. And I ask people this all the time. I'm like, you got seven years to waste? You got seven years to waste, then don't make that choice. If there's no commitment and God is drawing you together, look, we were clueless. We were younger, this is true, but we were clueless. But we came together and we believed and we still believe that God is for this relationship and for this marriage and that where we are deficient, he is sufficient. And if both of us will be willing to yield our hearts, both of us will be willing to yield our hearts to the Lord and both of us will be willing to do the difficult work that God is asking in order for this marriage to work, then we will succeed. And we believed that. So there was no, well, I'm waiting for a better offer. I don't know if I want to commit. I don't know if I want to this. And so that stuff just wasn't there. And so there's a lot of damage that comes into Christians' lives when they make these choices. And that these, choices, these choices don't condemn you to hell, but they bring hell on earth. I can assure you of that, right? You're born again. Christians are carnal all day long. All day long we're carnal. I mean, we act like we're holy on Sunday morning, but that just isn't true. You know, we're just, it's just not true. You know, we're dysfunctional in the highest level. We just got to be, we got to accept the humanity of it, but we also have to align our lives in a manner that honors our Father. And that's, that's the goal. So I hope that helps somebody. So go ahead, All and right. then I want to I talk okay. about roles, and then yeah. we're, we'll, we'll then, be out okay, of time. Okay, so uh, why are singles in the church not connecting and getting married? And uh, so I was just going to talk on that. So I think he talked about that already. Um, but the last thing that I wanted to just say was that um, unrealistic expectations. Um, when we're dating, that's a big issue in the church, it seems to be. We have high expectations, and we disqualify people very easily. Um, I have personally seen, I don't know how many people I've seen, where they want to marry someone, they want to meet someone, and there's probably three or four that God brings before them that they could easily build a life with, but they pass on it. And they never want to commit to any, thinking that something better is probably around the corner, or they want to keep their options open. God's design, if you do not want to be alone, and you can be alone, and you should be, and you can be alone, being alone is great. There's nothing wrong with it. Paul was alone, and it's fine. You can serve the Lord without being married. You don't have to. You can do great things. There's a lot of people that are doing great things for God, and they're not married. You don't have to get married, and you don't have to feel that you are completed by someone if you're not, if, if you're not married, that you're waiting to be completed, that you're half. You can serve the Lord, and you should. Your, your goal in serving Jesus should be to run and pursue Christ, and whoever's running next to you is who you consider. 
So, but you do not have to um, uh, be married in order to fulfill a calling of God on your life. You can literally fulfill the call of God on your life without being married. But if you can't and you want to marry, then you should find someone and you should move forward in life. There's never going to be anybody that's perfect enough, and there's, there's going to be several people that could be compatible. So pick one, get married, move on, and build a life together and, and go in the direction that God has for you. Again, you're, you're, he's not the center. You're not the center. Jesus is the center of the relationship. He's the glue. Uh, me and him chose each other, and the way that we chose each other would probably seem to people in their 40s or even in their late 30s or naive. 50s as naive and foolish in, their cho- in our choosing of each other. But the d- only difference is, is we just committed to each other and stayed in the commitment, and both hearts were built on the right foundation from the start, and we tracked together towards Christ. That's the key. If so, if you don't want, why don't why don't more singles get married? Because they're they're wasting time. They're having too high of expectations. And it's cultural thinking. That, that cultural it's thinking natural mindset. is deceiving you. You need you can get married. Get married. Pick someone. Look. Get out there, be social, meet Buckle people. Buckle up and prepare love, for the yeah, ride. Yeah, and, and meet people. <laughs> enjoy, the ride of your life. Enjoy commitment. <laughs> enjoy uh, having a companion. Uh, that God's, God's design is for you to have someone so that you're not alone. So find someone. We put too high of a standard on the other person. And as long as that person is committed to Christ, they're in a church, they're committed in a church, they're known by their church community, they're tracking towards the Lord, they've been rooted in the faith for a while, and, and then marry. You know, take down the standard of, of, I don't know, A++++++. If you want to get married, marry someone. So get I just married. throw this whole statistic out here because this is important too. Statistically, and lower the standard. Right. So the statistics on marriage are like 50-50. This is what we say culturally. We know half marriages, all the half marriages fail. That's not true. And they'll say that um, uh, uh, marriage relationships within the church are equal to that within the world. That's not true either. That isn't true. If you segment out people who are true followers of Christ away from every other nominal denomination and, you know, the, the wishers and the maybebeers, you know, like, like you all are here. So we follow Jesus. We don't talk about Jesus. We're Faithfully not here for, attend church. We're not here to have Faithfully a religious. Faithfully attend church. Right. Well, they Live not have by it, the standards of the Bible. Right. We yeah. don't have a religious experience. Kingdom mindset We know people. Jesus. We love Jesus. We Very follow Jesus. Very low divorce rate. When you have, when you have a, a couples that are that, the success of those marriages are 70% the failure rate drops down to 30%. It's not even close to half, right? It's actually a quarter. So almost 70% of all, well, it's true, 70% of all true believing marriages, when you have charismatic belief people or people that love Christ and are committed to his ways, not every Christian is committed to Jesus's ways. Come on. Not every Christian, you know, Jesus said, you love me, you, you say you love me, but your hearts are far from me. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? You know, that's everywhere. When you have two people that are devoted and love the Lord, the success of that marriage is 70%. So you're in the, you're in the majority of the percentile. You know, our marriages will succeed, and it will be proven time and again. But again, it, it's predicated upon that, you know, Jesus being the center and both people loving the Lord and allowing God to speak into their lives as it relates to the other person. That's, that's a big part of it. So I want to so, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. Look through there. Right, and then when you're ready, you'll answer we'll it. So yeah, okay. um, I just also want to lastly say a lot of reasons why we don't, uh, one of the, uh, a common reason is that we don't commit is we're afraid. 
We're afraid. We get a little older. We know what the cost could be. We know what the risk is. And so we start kind of hedging all of our risk. We play it, play it like a chessboard. We're like trying to maneuver, trying to kind of get everything out in the oven and see. But listen, if, if people are committed to Christ, marry. You know, it, it's, it, it, you can be married. You know, your standards just have to lower to a more reasonable viewpoint. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen people there in their 50s and they're like, yeah, but she's in her uh, mid-30s and, and I'm looking for someone in my mid-30s and she's looking at him like, you look like my dad. Uh-huh. You know, you're my dad. I'm not interested in you. I'm, you're my dad. And so we have to have a realistic expectation of ourselves. We're in our 50s. We're in our 40s. You know, we're not marrying the guy you're from the gym. You're looking for a life partner. You know, we're not a gym person. So we're not going to marry a gym right. person. Stop looking at the trophy. Marry someone more reasonable to you. You know, um, I had a family member, and she's like, oh, I just want someone 15 mem- years younger than me. And I said, Why? Why do you want someone 15 years younger? You're 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 almost at retirement age, and you're hoping to catch it's like something. Marry a guy with a Winnebago, a retired guy with a Winnebago, yeah, and drive yeah, around the to country someone, together and enjoy that season of your life. Yes, and I thought that was wise counsel. 15, you're trying to redeem lost time with someone, and you're not being realistic in the season that you're at. Yeah. Love the season that you're at. Love I got a guy; cycle, he's in his 60s, and he are. wants to marry a 30-year-old, and he's telling me this. I'm like, dude, it's not going to happen. Again, it becomes like inside, very I feel carnal. like I'm 30. I'm like, yeah, it but you know, very, very carnal. Outwardly, and, and, you know, it's and like, singles in their 30s, they have a hard time with this because they've dated a whole bunch of people and they've not been married for a while. They've never married, and so they've d- dated like seriously 15 or 10 people, you know, eight or 10 people, like a lot of people, and so now they start criticizing and being very skeptical with every single person that comes along. And so God will march people that are very ca- uh, compatible across their path and they won't want to pick it because they don't know what's around the corner and they know what happened to all those eight failed relationships that they had before. But listen, God's design, if you have the Lord in the relationship, is he will work through it. He will work through it. You can be married and you and not be perfect and the person not be perfect and the person have limitations and the person have struggles. Again, you have them too. You're, you're marrying for the wrong reasons. You're, you're to marry, to have compatibility, to not be alone and to share life with someone. Yes. So, right. And so, if you look in the Bible, the standard was much different and we're to have biblical standard in, in, in why we choose and how we choose. Yeah. So, all right. All right. I want to is talk that about. Is that well, helpful? this is a. This okay. is a. Yes. Okay. Right, I hope we're, we you. hope we're helping right. you. We hope we're. So here's helpful. a hot topic. Right. Hot topics. I all like right. this hot topic. Kevin's right going to do it. Uh, so this is for <laughs> married people. What are the roles of the husband and the wife? <gasps> Isn't this exciting? You're all like getting real. Like, what does this mean? Do you guys want to hear this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So this is a really an area of tension. Um, so, all right. So where do I go with this? God's role for the husband and wife, you hear me say it all the time, is complementarian. The model is the model is Eden. That's really what it is. It's a collaboration between the husband and the wife. And, you know, there's verses, you know, okay, so here's the one. Uh, you know, submit unto Christ, but then wives submit to your, the husbands love your wives, but wives submit to your husbands, right? It's a Greek word, hypostasis, hypostool, you know, it goes that way. So it's this Greek word. And so we look at that, and we think that the woman is to be dominated by the male, and that the man has absolute authority in decrees with the wife. 
It's not true. The word hypostasis means to align your life with under or to organize under. So what Paul, that, that verse is in the book of Ephesus and it's book in the book of Ephesians. There's a cultural context to that verse and there's other things which I won't get into, which is take me way too long to explain. But I will say this. Listen to your series. You did a whole series yeah, on it. Yeah, but the, the idea, what is the, I'm going to get to the roles of the husband and the wife. And so within the relationship, um, she's not your doormat and she's not your head, Right. She, she's, she's created from the side of Adam, and there's a prophetic significance to that. I was sharing with Sherry about stuff last night. Um, I don't even know. Well, you guys, whatever. This is our, this, you know, I pastor this church, so I'm just going to say it. So we had a guy on, on uh, YouTube uh, make a comment because we've had women teach here before, and he says something to me, and Alex was just telling me this, and he says, nowhere in the Bible is it gynocentric gynocentric you get where I'm coming from in other words oh yes female, we ladies know female out saying. front and so I was so talking, disrespectful I was talking so this is one of our commenters on on YouTube and I was commenting with Alex and I was talking to Alex I said what's the model of relationships um, the model of relationships is not the fall the model of the relationships is not second temple misogynistic Judaism the model of relationships is not Paul's ideal coming out of Judaism itself the model of relationships is Edenic it's Eden. God created them male and female. He called them both Adam. They were not called Adam and Eve until Eve fell, until Adam and Eve fell. Then they were separated, but up until that point, they were divided. And so we have this concept that says uh, they, were, they were one. God's they were ideal for the husband and the wife within the relationship is to be ehad, which is one, unified. Mutual submission, submit one to the other. I yield to her all the time. I can tell you, she, you know, yeah, well. Not all the time. <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes. I need Sometimes. a witness on this, man. Anyway. <laughs> not all the time. Well, it's not okay. all the anyway, time. it's not my point. The role of the husband and the wife, God's created the, the man with, with certain skills and attributes. Very kind. He's created the female with certain skills and attributes. They're complementarian to one another. They are not to compete with one another. They are to complete one another. God is looking for a collective whole within the husband and the wife, that together they move as one. They move as one. And the way that it works in, in so this is the broad topic when you say, what does that mean? The husband is to be the directional leader and the wife is the influential leader. And I can assure you, she has influence within the home. My job is to directionally lead this family. This is what we're doing. This is where God is called. But I don't directionally lead without her coming on board. And she does it. We, we have to, we, we work it out. We talk to each other. We, we communicate with each other. And that's where a lot of that comes in. We and need each other. You don't so make decisions really without what, me what, too much because you actually value the discernment, the maturity, the prophetic side of me, the spirituality. Oh, I've you overlooked want, her sons at times. And I, I, I've overlooked my wife's discernment it. to my own peril. You know, and I, I can't treat her. I come out of certain mm -hmm. teachings and certain things. It took me a long time to figure this out. But Jesus... God's relationship in the marriage is communal. God's relationship within the marriage is complementarian. And my job is to, you know, I, I, it's also knowing her. Not every wife is like my wife. Certain wives don't have the passion or the drive. They have passion. And, 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 our, our relationship minute, is different than yeah, others. Yeah, hold on a second. They don't have the passion and the drive in the areas that Sherry's is. They have a passion and a drive in another area. My job, Adam knew Eve. 
That's what it says. He knew her. He understood her. He, he, he worked, and, and then they came together, right? So that knew has to do with sexuality, but it also has to do with an emotional understanding. And it's my job to understand my wife and to be complementary to her as she is complementary to me. And my job is to lead my family together as a team. We're far greater as a team than we are as individuals. And so that's, that's really the dynamic. It's not lordship and headship. Oops, sorry, I just stepped on your foot. Like, I'm, she's under my foot. And this, is a, this, this, this creates toxicity, in, in, especially in churches. It's archaic. It's misunderstood. Paul is speaking to an Ephesian church that was dominated by female priests. The ancient world, was dom- their cults had priestesses. You see the same thing in Corinthians. That's where Paul is using that language. I got you. Paul is using that language. He's using the language in Corinth because it's a culture that was dominated by the feminine. And you see the same thing in Ephesus where it was a culture that was dominated by the feminine. And so Paul is making statements to recalibrate that relationship because it was femininely dominated. You know, that, that's really the way it is. So that context that he's speaking from in Ephesians relates to that. Is there an order to it? Absolutely. Any man who wants to sit here and tell you that I'm absolutely Lord of my wife and, and, and dominating of my wife, you're, it, it, that's, it just, it, 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 ladies, does that work for you? Yeah. It doesn't work for you. But what works for you is when your husband says, this is what I want to do, and I want to do this together. What, what does that do for you? Yeah. yeah. I want to I do this with you. Let's do this together. She immediately comes alive and has all these ideas of how she can help. And she starts flipping around and going, oh, we can do this and we do this. And it's one you know, as soon as he gives her a plan and a vision, she comes around it to help because God's designed the relationship to work together. It's not this isolated, like, I'm the authority, you do what I say. That's not the way that God designed it. That is not the Edenic vision. That is not what God created them to do. They were male and female. They had equal authority. He told them to rule and subdue. He told them to, rep- to reproduce. He told them to do it. It wasn't. I think that's Genesis 1:27. Yes, but that was the idea. So the vision for relationships in marriage has to be Edenic. And I told this to Sherry. Everything Jesus does, it's a reset of the Edenic vision. If we as people can understand the Edenic vision, not just for marriage, for what for God wants in the world, it helps us. It will totally transform our thinking. God's vision is found in Eden. It was lost long ago, and it was stolen before it ever could come forth with what God really wanted. And I was sharing with her last night that Jesus resets the Edenic vision. When he came out of the tomb, he was mistaken for a... Gardener. What is the prophetic significance of that? Well, it's Genesis. The Lord planted a garden to the east of Eden. He's resetting. It's a prophetic anomaly. The Christ's resurrection is a reset of the Edenic vision. That's what it is. What is, God, what is the Edenic vision? Rule and subdue. Go and create culture. What culture? Culture on the earth. It's not just the reset of the culture of kingdom heaven to earth. It's the reset of the culture within the home. It's the reset, it's the reset of everything. But we don't understand this. You know, and we have to understand this. And what happens when you blend the relationship under the Edenic vision, life comes. When I have operated my marriage, and I'll throw myself under the bus, bus and I'll take one for the team, right? So when I'll I've operated my marriage based upon the way that the church taught me, you know, I would be sad. Look, I, I have a very strong wife. Like this type of personality is not celebrated in the church. It just isn't. They don't celebrate strong women in the church. They want the wife to just sit down and be quiet and just be the little child caregiver and everything. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful expression. That's another expression of of a woman, just like the guy who's not the dominant leader. 
That, that's another expression of a man. Not every man is, oh, you know, and they're not like that. It's just another expression of what we are. But that's something that's not celebrated. And so the church would teach me, as my elders and my leaders, you need to bring your wife into submission. If your wife's not into submission, you need to rule your household. Blah, 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 blah. And they would always try to bring my wife into submission. And I'm like, have you seen the, have you seen the, have you seen the, the stallion here, the, the mare that the Lord has given me? I mean, are you realizing what I, you know? And one of the pastors that was telling me that, he had a very gentle, mild-mannered wife. And my wife's not that way. She has a leadership call on her life. She has a directional call on her life. And we robbed the church of 50% of its power by subordinating and subjecting women to things that God never intended. Our rules, not his. And all of these scriptures that relate to it, I say this all the time. I had a theologian sitting in my living room, and he looked at me. He said, man, you should write a book on this. She's been telling me for years. And, you know, why do I have these views on women? Is because I'm married to a very strong woman who challenges my perspectives that it relates to women. And so it's like when, you know, um, I do not permit women to teach or have authority over a man, for this is right according to the law. The question is, is are women under law? Answer, no. You know, that, so that, Paul's not right there. You know, you say, well, Paul's wrong. Paul's wrong on a lot of things. Paul was wrong on circumcision. Paul doesn't believe that anybody should marry. She quoted it. You know, I desire that everybody be single like me. Is Paul right? Of course not. Are we all called to be single? No. So his perspective is wrong. There's nothing in the law that subordinates women. Nowhere. So when he's quoting the law, he's not quoting, he's not even quoting Old Testament. He's quoting Mishnah, which is oral tradition. So he's not even quoting the law. So women did not teach or have authority over a male because this is right according to the law. I, you know, if a woman has questions, she has to be silent in the churches. And if she has a question, she has to go home and ask her, her, um, ask her husband for Adam was created first and then Eve. So that relates back to Genesis. So when did Eve become subordinate to Adam? Is she under the fall? No. We're redeemed from the curse of the law and we're redeemed to the fall, from the fall. So the status of women is the redemption of the Edenic standard and so the Edenic standard, the, God, the standard that God, our Father, yours and mine, established in, in, the, in the garden is the one. And what is that? It's an, it's an interdependent relationship of communalness. It's a, it's a communion. You know, she doesn't want to lead and dominate. She wants me to give a direction, and she becomes stronger. We become stronger together. She, well, I became weaker when I tried to dominate I, I, you know, it's like, it's just, it's not God's design. So it always misfires and it's always, and it always malfunctions and it will continue to do so until we understand the paradigm. So the roles between husband and wife relate to Eden. They don't relate to anything other in the scripture. The, the, the Old Testament is related to the fall. It just is. And, you know, and I could do a dissertation on the whole, on, on, on where Paul's getting his stuff from and all the other stuff. But I just want you to understand that. So that role, like I am to include her, not exclude her. And all the women said, Amen. do you want your husband's late? There's not a woman. Well, women just need to shut up and they need to submit. But she's not designed that way. She's not wired that way. Why would the woman, why would our father design the woman to be communally and desiring to be involved and then him have her deny that very, it, it's not a selfish nature. When the woman wants to be involved, it's not selfish, you know, and the whole submission fact is this, look, if your husband feels this is the strong direction, then align under him and follow it. But it's not a, it's not a dominating thing. You know, it's not, a, it's not something that, domi to, that, that is to dominate the woman. So the holes are com complementarian. Loving her. What is the highest good? That's what love is, you know. And then I'll tell her. And if it takes me longer to work it out with her, and like, look, I need you to support me on this. I need you to support me on this. It's my decision. I'm making the decision. I need you to support me on this. That's how you lead. 
Yeah, but you also, there's a lot of things that, uh, because we've been together so long, that you value my input I mean, I'm really it. making so it condensed. He doesn't, yeah, he's trying to push it all in there, so it, that'll yeah, make for over misunderstanding. Time, over time. But it's not the intention to misunderstand. But you don't want, you, listen, women in the church, women in three general minutes. in the can church. Three minutes, can you do it in three minutes? Yeah, I can okay. do it in possibly two. Especially Name if that you don't, tune. If you don't I won't interrupt. Keep, if you, exactly. I'll sit here. Complimenting <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. That's not my three minutes here. I'll sit here in my Edenic status. That's not my three minutes. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, with the whole thing with women in the church, look, you don't want, if, if women are not developed, all you do is drag them. You know, if women are Say not. Say that again. If women are not developed, all you do is drag them someplace. And you raise up, you have women that grow in, in um, age, but they don't have any um, spiritual maturity. They don't have any thoughtfulness. You're not using their gifts, and they become almost um, something that you're, you know, non-thinking. Uh, and you want, God gives women a brain. You, we were created with the capacity to think, to ideate, to create. Um, our nature, it, it, even in the root word of, of, um, of woman, is uh, vividness vivaciousness so there's a multiplicity that we have the capacity to do multipliers and enhancers so you if you don't develop if women are not allowed to develop and you just have them kind of sequestered taking care of kids and just sitting there and not talking and you don't let them develop you drag them someplace because they're not really educated it's like the whole thing with you know voting you know with black people the racial things that have went on when people are developed they become strength to you and you're not to, men are not to be alone, and we men need what women have to offer. We're enhancers. So, um, and I give a lot of ideas and directional a vision for him at times, and he doesn't even know that I'm the one that actually made the decision on that. I gave him the idea, and he's like, yeah, well, we should do that. We work so well together that we become one, and we're a strength greater than when we were by ourselves. So you want what women you want what women have. You just like women want what men have. No men are this. All men are not the same. And just like our relationship isn't the same as all other marriages. But you don't women. You don't want women. Um, you don't want to leave women ignorant. She's the greatest you know? asset. Yeah, come on. You guys can clap for that. Okay. She's the greatest asset I have, and it's taken me a long time to figure that out. You know, and I where, where I felt like she was working against me, she was actually working for me. And um, she was actually benefiting. When I thought she was criticizing me, she was actually trying to protect me. You know, you know, like it's very it, it, true. And it's true. I'm a set of eyes that he doesn't see with. Right. I'm a I'm a, I'm a, a thinking process. I'm a yeah. processing. I'm a reasoning. I'm a discerning strength to him that he doesn't catch, mm. that he doesn't have. And so by allowing me to be blossom and make mistakes, because if you're going to have a wife that's a thinker and a contributor and a strong and uh, developing her own gifts, uh, if you're going to have that, she's going to make mistakes. Yep. And so sometimes she's just going to miss it and she's going to make mistakes. But you can't be uh, insecure about that and you can't be intimidated. You have to value what she's giving and what she's offering. And work you together. Want what, you want to bring forward what your wife has. Right. Just like your husband. You know, it, it really is both. Women were created with purpose you know like he said we weren't created from their foot you know we're not created from the head we're Edenic. created from the side the we were created with vision we were created with thinking capacity intelligence right. you, you know we were a side of god was taken if you heard my mother's day um a side of god was 
taken from Adam and woman has it. Man doesn't have that anymore. Man is not complete without with uh, now. Man, the original man is not, is no longer exists because part of it was taken out and given to woman. So there's a part, so there's strength in women and you want to value it because we have a lot to offer. You know, we, life is so better with a woman. We're not dudes. something to intimidate. We're not competing. Life is better. Yeah, we don't want to compete. There's no need the to compete. The one who finds a wife who finds a good thing, a yeah. virtuous, godly, Jesus loving woman who can find one. Her yeah. value is more precious than rubies, yeah. right? A virtuous woman, a woman who loves Jesus and follows Jesus, that's the value. That's where the value and worth is. All right, so we're going to close. So we're yeah. going to pray. I just, can I say one last thing? We're way over I'm time. That, They're like, waving way, the clock at okay, me. I got to go. I'm not that. I wouldn't consider myself so out of the ordinary <laughs> as women. I don't. I just think that my husband gave me space to become something. And I think when women are allowed to become something and to actually embrace and find and discover and develop those areas within themselves, what their talents, their abilities, their gifts, he's put allowed me to be um, influenced by lots of speakers, taken me with me to the conferences, gone to the conferences that I wanted to go to. What that's done is that's broadened me. And so I, I think most women want to do the same. You just have to find. Well, by your taking own her voice. further, she's so, taken me further. But I'm, so I'm I not take some her weird here, and then she go, takes me, and then else. I go there, and it's this. Yeah, it's, we're just hardwired differently. Yeah. So, but listen, you want what women have. We're not to strive. We don't have to strive, ladies. We just need to be who we are, and and not worry about what people are thinking. Just bring bring your strength, the strength of who you are, forward. And that's the same for men. You need to bring all of who you are, and if people are intimidated by that, then they're probably not the people to be in your circle. You need to be the strength of who you are. Bring your best forward. So. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, we love you. We pray you got something out of this that yes, benefited. So yes, we'll much pray. benefit. And Father, we just thank you for what you've given. Thank you for the words that have gone forth. Lord, the words of wisdom, the words of power, the words of truth, Lord, yes. your words, Lord, your life, your experiences, all of these things in practical ways, Lord, may they benefit your people greatly. May your word not return to you void, Lord, but may it re return to you with fruit, kingdom fruit, Lord, life-giving fruit, and transformation within homes, within marriages, within lives, Lord, in every arena. So we thank you for that. We bless you for that, and we honor you for that. I just want to pray, too. Father, I pray for the restoring of relationships as well, for marriages that have struggled and even singles that have struggled and really desired to find your way and get in position. So Father, right now, I pray that you would guide them. I pray that you would direct the path for them. I pray, Father, where there's been thoughts and uh, patterns of thinking that have been a hindrance to them, where they've been a, um, a hindrance to the work that you're actually trying to do to get them in position. I pray for a fresh revelation on that. I pray eyes to see and ears to hear and a discerning heart to get into alignment and become what you desire to become. I pray, Father, for those that have been wounded by relationships, uh, whether it's ma they're married now or they're divorced or they're single and they've had uh, wreckage behind them. That's what I see, Father, that they've had that wounding. I pray, Father, the healing balm of Gilead, Lord, that you would touch hearts and you begin to restore and you would set them free. Lord, I pray, Father, for a fresh understanding, a fresh awakening, a fresh insight, the insight of heaven, the kingdom theology, kingdom dynamics, the kingdom desire for them would be restored to them. And if they don't know it, it would be built up. So I pray, Father, that you would refine 
a father vision to them of, of dating, of the future, and God, that your, your people would marry because you desire to give them mates. You desire to give them someone they're compatible. So, Lord, where they've lost faith as well, Lord, I pray for that person that's lost hope, lost faith for a future with someone because they've had so many difficult um, patterns and so many difficult losses and wounds. I pray, God, that you would restore that. I pray for fresh vision, fresh hope to come today. I pray for a download from heaven of hope and restoration, Lord, a fresh impartation of a vibrant, hopeful future for relationships, for dating, for their marriage. Lord, if there's marital problems, Lord, where they've struggled with the marriage and they don't believe that you can change it because it's went on for too long and it's just too much and they've labored in a fallow field like Habakkuk 3 speaks about the, the fig leaf, that the fig tree that doesn't bear fruit and the ground that the grapes that don't produce and how they wait and they wait and they see nothing. But you say, and I think it's Habakkuk 314 you say that um that but you will give us your joy and it's your joy that restores and you will cause us to leap over mountains and scale and you'll make our feet like hinds feet like a deer and so father i pray where those those uh harvest those vineyards those orchards those fields that have not produced and they've labored god that you would give them courage you would give them a hopeful future you would change their vision you would give them fresh joy from heaven they would their joy of the lord would become their strength and they would see those circumstances they would see those situations that are not changing with fresh eyes and god you would move and so i pray father you would move in those mates you would move in those situations and god you would bring them up and over the highest of mountain, Lord, like Habakkuk says, that high mountain that they need to scale, they would have fresh hope and joy from you giving them fresh vision in that circumstances. And I pray for dreams and visions and confirming that as well, Lord. Fresh dreams, fresh vision uh, of heaven's view on their relationships in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Maybe